So in the Bible, you have prophets, priests, and kings. And prophets speak for God, thus saith the Lord. Priests mediate between people and God, forgive us, save us, okay, have mercy on us. And kings, well, you know what kings do. <laughs> Some of you work for kings, labor for kings, um, kings boss people around. So in the New Testament, we're told that Jesus is a prophet, priest, and king. He's a better prophet. When Jesus speaks, God is speaking. He's a better priest. Jesus didn't just offer a sacrifice that was brought to him. He offered himself. And Jesus is a better king. And so during Christmas this year, I've tried to kind of point to Jesus and help you see how much of the Bible is pointing to Jesus. So today, I want to look into the life of one king very quickly, and his name is Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat was the fourth king in what's known as the divided kingdom. So at one point in Israel's history, they became two countries, the north and the south. Only in Jewish history, the south are usually the good guys, and the north are usually the bad guys. Okay, and so King Jehoshaphat is the fourth king of this nation called Judah, which exists because Israel has gotten split in half. And one of the things that Jehoshaphat did is he went around tearing down all the Asherah poles and idols that were, people would go to. So people in that day kind of wanted to hedge their bets. So they would go to the temple in Jerusalem, but they would also do things at an Asherah pole or Baal just to make sure, because you know, you don't want to have good crops, you want the baby to be born healthy, all this kind of stuff. And so they hedged their bets. Now, Jehoshaphat also did something unique in that he sent officials from the palace and he sent priests out to all the towns and he taught them the Bible. He taught them the Torah through these priests and through these uh, officials from the palace because the people had forgotten what was in the Bible. And so this king is called a good king for that reason. But King Jehoshaphat started getting together with King Ahab from Israel. Now, King Ahab is known as a bad king. He, in fact, has a very famous wife. His wife's name is Jezebel. There's a Christian rock group called Fling Down Jezebel. <laughs> okay. So uh, you can ask me why it's called that later. So <laughs> King Jehoshaphat uh, has his son marry King Ahab's daughter. So back then, you didn't marry for love. Your two families got together and made an arrangement. And so King Jehoshaphat is signaling, I want, to, I want to have a relationship with you, King Ahab. And so the, their kids marry, and King Ahab calls King Jehoshaphat up uh, and asks him to go to battle with him. And so they're getting ready to go to battle, and uh, King Ahab summons his 400 prophets and they all do the thing that all of his prophets always do, which is, oh, King Ahab, you're the best. You're going to be victorious. Everybody's going to bow before you. Like, you're the most amazing person in the world, King Ahab. But King Jehoshaphat says, wait a minute. Do you have just one prophet of the Lord around? And King Ahab is like, well, yeah, I don't like the guy. He never says anything nice about me. I don't know why you'd want to bring him here before we go to battle. 
And so the, the, the prophet comes and says in a very sarcastic voice, oh, King Ahab, you're the best. You're going to win. Everybody's going to bow before you. And it makes King Ahab mad. And he says, I told you not to lie to me. And then the prophet Mikey, uh, Micaiah says to him, well, I have a vision. I saw all of Israel scattered around the mountaintops like sheep without a shepherd because its shepherd gets killed and that's you. <laughs> so he lays down this prophecy from the Lord. And then Ahab convinces Jehoshaphat to go into the battle wearing all of his kingly uh, garments, but Ahab will go into battle dressed like a regular soldier. And so the battle ensues and the Arameans charge and break through the lines and they go right for the king. And when they get really close to the king, they realize, you're not Ahab. At that exact moment, an Aramean archer lets go of his bow and it goes across the battlefield and it lands right in the in-between part of Ahab's armor. He's struck. Later that evening, he dies. Can we all agree that King Jehoshaphat made a series of bad decisions? Should he have had anything to do with Ahab? No. Should he have, his, have had his son marry Ahab's daughter? No. But he did all of those things. So when he gets back to Jerusalem, King Jehoshaphat, Jehu, who's a seer and a prophet, goes out to meet him. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 19. O king... Why should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of what you've done, the Lord is very angry with you. Even so, there is some good in you, for you've removed the Asherah poles throughout the land, and you've committed yourself to seeking God. So Jehoshaphat is called out, and he does something remarkable, and that's in the next couple of verses. Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem, but he went out among the people, traveling from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim, encouraging the people to return to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. And he also took the Torah and taught. Where else do we hear about a king walking among his people, teaching them the law of God? Jesus. That's Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. So here's the Chronicles verses, Matthew 9, 35. Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. So it's pointing to Jesus. Now, after Jehoshaphat humbles himself and goes out among the people, teaching them the law and encouraging them to obey God, a bunch of other nations get together and decide to attack Judah. Um, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Moonites. I love the Moonites. I just love saying that. It's basically the United States versus Iraq. If you're the Iraqis in that engagement, you don't have a lot to look forward to. The United States is going to crush you. In this case, these three nations are going to crush Judah. That's the outcome. That's the expected outcome. And they're terrified all the people of Judah. And Jehoshaphat gathers people together and he goes into the temple and he prays this prayer. Oh, our God, won't you stop them 
we're powerless against this mighty army. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. The scripture says he set his face in prayer. An unwinnable war, an unbeatable foe. They're powerless in Jerusalem. Again, this is pointing to another king who defeats our foe, Satan. <laughs> Only he does so on a cross. Okay? Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. But thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. So after Jehoshaphat prays this prayer, something remarkable happens the next day. The three armies are confused and they begin engaging one another in battle and it turns into a big full-on match and they start killing each other. Then they all start retreating and it takes Jehoshaphat and the army of Judah three days to collect all the spoils from the battlefield. And this is in Paul's mind, I believe, as he jots this verse talking about what Jesus does for us. Listen to how the chronicler summarizes Jehoshaphat's reign. Jehoshaphat was a good king following the ways of his father Asa. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. During his reign, however, he failed to remove all the pagan shrines, and the people never fully committed themselves to follow the God of their ancestors. And the rest of Jehoshaphat's reign is recorded in blah, blah, blah. Okay. Jesus is a better king. So let me ask a couple of questions. And the first question is simply this. When you don't know what to do, what's your default setting? What's your default tendency? When you don't know what to do, what do you tend to default to? And then where's your focus these days? Where's your focus or your gaze these days? Really, I just want to lead to one thing today, this morning. It's okay to not know what to do. It's okay to not know what to do. If you're parenting teenagers, it's okay <laughs> to not know what to do. If you've got aging parents and you're helping take care of them, it's okay not to know what to do. It's okay not to know what to do. Now, we have this tendency because we're Americans. We come in and we're like, well, I just need to figure out. I just need to know. I just need to make sure that I can't allow. I've drunk that Kool-Aid a lot in my life. <laughs> I have drunk that Kool-Aid a lot in my life. Jehoshaphat shows me a better way to approach life's challenges and problems on my face with my face set to the Lord in prayer, okay? So when you don't know what to do, Jehoshaphat is a good role model. I don't know what to do, God, but my eyes are on you. I don't know how you're going to fix this. I don't know how you're going to solve this. I don't know how you're going to deliver. I don't know how you're going to provide, but I'm going to pause right now and focus on Jesus. I'm going to look to you. You alone are my deliverer. You alone are my savior. So we talk a lot about Jesus as being a king at Christmas. So we have angels and shepherds, magi, the wise men. We have Herod, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary. Did I mention the shepherds? We have all of these people playing their parts in the Christmas story. And one thing that is very clear is that Jesus is a king. Matthew 2 
Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the city of David. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. So if you don't know this, the wise men didn't show up on Christmas Day. They showed up later. There wasn't just three of them. There was a whole caravan of them. They were wise. They were rich. They studied the stars. And they show up in Jerusalem, and they show up in Herod's palace, and they say to Herod, we're here to worship the new king, who's not you, who's not a member of your family, but he's somewhere in the somewhere in the nation, and we don't know how to find him. Can you help direct us so that we can worship this new king who, again, not you? <laughs> Herod doesn't respond too well to that. We're told in, later in Scripture, um, after the wise men uh, went and were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. Verse 16, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. So Jesus shows up to the same region 30 years later, announcing the good news of the kingdom. And he's the king who's walking among his people, teaching them God's law. He's basically saying, look, you want to know what God is like? I'm showing you what God is like. You want to know what God wants of you? I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm showing you, right? And, and he does that to families who had lost a son, to Herod. He does that to people who were desperate and looking for someone to help them. And Jesus helps. So I just want to remind you on this Christmas morning, of one thing, it's okay to not know what to do sometimes. It really is. It's okay to not know what to do sometimes. I'm going to ask our musicians to make their way here. And I want to remind you of something else that Jesus said. He said, my yoke is, my yoke is difficult. <laughs> my yoke is so hard and my burden is so demanding you're going to spin and spin and spin and work and work and work and fret and fret and fret. And then you're going to beat yourself up because it's not enough. No, Jesus didn't say that. You already know it. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I just want to remind you as we get ready to sing that sometimes enough of is, is enough. So I don't know where you are and all the stuff that you do for Christmas, but I want to give you permission to just stop wherever you are, whatever's not done, whatever's not wrapped, whatever's not baked, whatever's <laughs> like, and I know how this is. I know some of all you are like, what's a man telling me this stuff? Okay, well, in, in my household, Jenny does all the gift buying, and then I do all, all the cooking, cleaning, prepping, fooding. Uh, I believe that's called a sous chef, right? So, <laughs> okay, so at some point, at some point, just stop. When God showed up to become one of us, it wasn't with a fanfare or a party. It was on a quiet night in Bethlehem. A few shepherds were brought in that night, and nobody believed them. <laughs> okay, now I think we're ready to worship a little more.